A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 25 to 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Emma. Morning, everyone. That was a slightly less than robust welcome greeting back to me. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. Today's the day in the church year where we remember Mary and Joseph presenting Christ in the temple. And Father Stephen asked me if I would preach this message this morning, not only because he's away, but because he knows that this is one of my favorite revival passages in all of Scripture. And it features one of my favorite characters in all of the Bible. And so I hope that as we take a look at that character this morning, that you would grow in your appreciation and to uh, uh, admire them as I do. Our reading begins with the words, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the first thing that is noted about Simeon is that he was righteous and he was devout. By righteous, it means that he was simply right with God. He had a right relationship with God. He had a right standing with God. His relationship with God wasn't broken. It wasn't impaired. It wasn't distant. Uh, he wasn't indifferent toward God. He wasn't cold toward God or callous toward God. He, there was a rightness, a correctness in his relationship with God. He was a righteous man. It also says he was devout, which means he was careful how he lived before God. He lived reverentially. Oh, to see days again where God's people would treat him with reverence. But Luke doesn't stop there in describing Simeon. He tells us that Simeon's righteousness and his devotion took a particular form. Luke tells us this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? The consolation of Israel. Well, Simeon was aware that his nation was grieving, that everything was not right in the nation. It was not as it should be. And that God's people were in the need of consoling or consolation. But Simeon knew that this grieving, this sadness, would not persist forever because one day God would send the Messiah, his chosen one. And when the Messiah came, it would change everything. Sadness and sorrow would turn to joy and to gladness. Long-awaited promises 
would be fulfilled and God's kingdom would be near and not far. That's the consolation of Israel, the day when the Messiah would come and would console God's people. And so Simeon waited for that day. He waited for the consolation of Israel. His righteousness was shown in his willingness to wait. His devotion was displayed in the way that he waited. Why is he one of my favorite characters? Because in our day, waiting is not seen as something that has any value. Waiting is thought of as an annoyance, as a bother. Waiting is thought of as a waste of time, as something interfering with our goals and delaying our happiness. Waiting is seen as something that prevents us from joy rather than something that prepares us for joy. Waiting feels like denial to us. We think that we are being brushed aside when we have to wait, that we don't matter, that someone or something else must count for more than we do. To a I-want-it-now generation, Waiting feels inherently negative. And I strongly disagree with our generation's approach to waiting. For us, Christ followers, waiting is something altogether different. It doesn't have those overtones at all. Do you know that for us Christians, what we most love is seen in what we are most willing to wait for. It is a statement of, as in Simeon's case, devotion. He was a righteous man and he, waited. he was a devout man, full of devotion. He waited out of devotion. What we most love is seen in what we are most willing to wait for. We wait most eagerly for what we love most dearly. On many occasions, I've counseled younger people who feel that they're in love, but for one reason or another, have to wait for a more serious relationship. I've counseled them, don't worry about how long this takes. Send one another a message, this message, because it does something to the human heart to hear this message. Send to them the message, you are worth waiting for. Very few things can they value on people like that. You are worth waiting for. And when we wait on God, we send him that heartfelt message, Lord, you are worth waiting for. Simeon was a righteous and devout man whose righteousness and devotion to God were seen in his waiting. So what is biblical waiting? Biblical waiting is not resignation. Well, I'll give in then. I guess I'll just have to wait. Biblical waiting is not just simply optimism. Well, look on the bright side. 
Biblical waiting is not a giving up. It is not a giving in. It's not a checking out emotionally. It's not a last case resort, the thing you do when nothing else works. Biblical waiting is eager expectation in God. Psalm 37, 9 says, Those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the land. The book of Hebrews says, Faith and patience, waiting, will inherit the promises. Acts chapter 2 records the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit in, in all of human history, the day of Pentecost. But it happened after 10 days of waiting, waiting upon God saw the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit of all time. So what is so deplorable about waiting? What can biblical waiting be likened to? When I've been in my own prolonged periods of waiting, I've asked myself that question because I can feel the tension, what waiting feels like to me, and then I hear it described in the Bible as something else. So I've known that I have a journey to travel towards biblical waiting. So I've asked myself the question, what is biblical waiting likened unto? And I'm convinced it's like children on Christmas Eve waiting for their presents. In our family tradition, we have tended to open presents on Christmas Day, and yet every year our kids ask, can we open the presents early? Knowing that they don't even really want that, because the joy is in the waiting. What would happen if I said one of you, yeah, go ahead and just do it. And, and, and paper was strewn, presents were opened. What kind of Christmas would they have? There's a joy in the waiting. It's the waiting that builds expectation. It's the waiting that makes it fun for them. They know that Sherry and I love them, and they know that we're pretty good at giving good gifts. And so I have tried to train my heart to wait for God like my children wait for Christmas Day. Full of childlike wonder and expectation. Knowing that my father is good and he's full of good gifts. My children wait because they know my heart. So Simeon waited on God because he knew God's heart. Luke tells us that Simeon's waiting was an inspired waiting, a holy waiting. Simeon waited precisely because it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. And so every day he waited in expectation. He didn't wait begrudgingly. He didn't wait angrily. He didn't wait anxiously. But he waited expectantly. He had good reason to wait. God had assured him. He was in no doubt about what he waited for. But neither was he in a hurry. The Bible says he was waiting for the consolation of the Holy Spirit, or for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
I want you to notice something that is happening in this story. He's waiting for the Messiah to come. That's future tense. But in the same sentence, comma, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, is present tense. Sometimes when we are waiting for something, it's easy to project our joy into the future. I'll be happy when that happens. When the thing that I'm waiting for happens, then I'll be glad, then I'll be satisfied, then I'll be content. When God does that thing for me, then life will be good. But when you project all your joy into the future, what does it make your present but joyless? It is a recipe for deep dissatisfaction and hopelessness, frustration with God and with people around you. Simeon had learned a very important lesson. God had good things for his future. God had promised good things for his future. And they were things that were worth waiting for. But God also had good things for his present. For every day. While you're waiting on God to heal your body, are you allowing God to heal your soul? in the present, while you're waiting for your ideal future, while you're waiting for God to change your circumstances, are you welcoming him to change the condition of your heart in the present? Did you know the Holy Spirit, he's done great things in the past. And he gives us great promises for the future. But did you know there is only one moment when the Holy Spirit is active in your life? And it is this moment, right now. This moment, this holy moment. And therefore, through the history of the church, there's been this phrase called the sacrament of the present moment. This moment is the only moment where the Holy Spirit is active in you. Do not miss it. Because we look back to days when the Holy Spirit did things. Or we're looking future, forward to the days where he will fulfill promises. But I have spent most of my Christian life looking backwards or looking forwards at the expense of the present. When I came to Lethbridge, I was asked by the Miracle Channel, would you teach a series on revival history? I knew so many of the things that the Holy Spirit had done in the past that without even studying them afresh, off the top of my head, I could go through church history 2,000 years and show you all the times when the Holy Spirit had moved powerfully and, the, and the, the historical record of those from memory. If you ever sat down with me and said, Todd, what do you think the Holy Spirit's going to do in the future? One, two, three hours isn't going to be enough. I'm a visionary by nature. What is he going to do? Well, let me tell you, I can't believe someone asked me that leading question. I hope that they have lots of time. But a confession is I've spent most of my Christian life looking back to something God did that I want to get back to, looking forward to the fulfillment of some promises, and I have looked right over the shoulders of the present. and I have missed out on a great deal. I am now learning from the past. I will hold like Simeon promises for the future, 
But all my faith is saying, if the Holy Spirit is only active in my life in one moment, and it's this moment, then I want to seize this moment. I want to see what is he doing. I want to see where is he working. I want to hear what is he saying. Don't miss out on this moment. You may ask, could we? How could we miss out on the moment? The story of Simeon is about people who did. Listen on. The Holy Spirit promised Simeon that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah. But as he waited for that promise to be fulfilled, the Holy Spirit was upon him day by day. And that is what sustained his waiting. He was a good waiter. I love the way he waited. Do you know that every day Simeon woke up? This is the way my imagination understands the story. This old man, and tradition doesn't know exactly how old he was, but tradition thinks of him as over 100, well over 100. We don't have an exact idea of how long he waited, but again, the impression in the text is that he waited for a very long time. And yet every day, Simeon rolled out of bed, straight onto his knees, and he said to the Lord, Lord, you promised me that I wouldn't die before I saw the Lord's Christ. Is today the day, Lord? And heaven didn't say anything, but Simeon knew God, and he knew that silence was not God ignoring him. Silence was God's way of saying, keep on believing the last thing I told you. And so Simeon would wake up the next day, roll out of bed and say, Lord, it's a glorious day today. You promised me that I would not die before I'd seen the Lord's Christ. I'm still waiting. I'm still believing, Lord. Is today the day? No, today's not the day, Simeon. Thought I'd ask. He'd wake up the next day, roll straight out of bed onto his knees and ask, Lord, is today the day? No, today's not the day, Simeon. But I love that you keep asking. I love that you keep waiting. I love that you keep believing. He may have literally done this for decades. And he never grew tired of it. Until one day, Simeon rolled out of bed, straight onto his knees in prayer. And he asked the question that he'd been asking for many, many years. Lord, you promised me that I wouldn't die before I seen the Lord's Christ. Well, I'm getting kind of old. It's today the day. And after all those years, on this day, the Scripture says the Holy Spirit spoke to him again. The same Holy Spirit that gave him that promise. The same Holy Spirit that met with him daily and sustained him daily. The Holy Spirit was in his past and spoke to him, was in his present and gave him a promise for the future. But that same Holy Spirit met him that day and said, Yes, Simeon. thought you'd like to know. Today is the day. What has that been like to have heard that? Today's the day. He's, he's actually in the temple right now. I spent years wondering what that would have been like for Simeon. 
may have waited for 40 or 50 years. Faithful. Unmoved, unswerving in his faith, in his waiting. And now the Holy Spirit says, well done, Simeon. Today is the day you could go see him now. And I imagine Simeon running through old Jerusalem as fast as his rickety old legs would take him, muttering, he's in the temple. Today's the day. I, I got to go see him. And the, 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 the town wondering, where's that old man going so fast? We've never seen Simeon run. What's he muttering about? But as fast as his old legs would take him, he was on his way to the temple to see the fulfillment of God's promise. And the million-dollar question is this, what did he expect to see when he got there? This is an important question. It's an important question for your hearts because many of you are waiting for things from God and it is under your nose and you can't see it. Whatever he expected to see, Whatever Old Testament messianic conceptions looked like, what did they think the Messiah would look like? I guarantee you one thing. He did not go there expecting that a Messiah would be that big. You read through all the Old Testament messianic prophecies. Read them all through. What did people expect the Messiah would be like? I don't think any of them indicated really clearly that the Messiah would be 20 inches long and leak from both ends. That this would be a baby. A small beginning. No wonder the Old Testament prophet said, do not despise the day of small beginnings. God loves starting things with small beginnings. He did not go down there expecting to see a baby. But he was so sensitive to the Lord from his years of waiting. He was so surrendered to the Lord that when he got to that temple and said, where's the Messiah? I expected some bigger than life figure, glowing angels around him. The Holy Spirit said to him, that's him right there. The baby? Yes, the baby. What would you do? Well, I know what I'd do. Like, that's, that's what I waited for 50 years for? Really? Is this a joke? How's that little thing meant to change our lives? Turn our sorrow into gladness? Simeon didn't do that. That's why he's my hero and I'm not his. Because I would have been disappointed. Because I don't have eyes. I don't have good eyes to see. The Holy Spirit tells him, that's the one. There's the Messiah. And he ran straight over. And he took that child up in his arms. And the scripture says, and he blessed him. He blessed what God was doing. He blessed that small package. 
that small gift. And he prophesied over him. Lord, you're now letting your servant depart in peace. I can die now. I can die in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation. How did Simeon look at that baby and think this is the salvation of God? The entire salvation of the world will be wrought by this little one here. And so I am asking God the last several years to retrain my heart. Do you know that while Simeon was blessing this baby, there were probably all kinds of other people in the temple saying, shut that baby down. Can't you understand we're praying for the Messiah? What are you allowing children in the temple for anyways? What I mean is they totally missed it. And I have done that. Because God didn't come in the way I thought. And sometimes it was right under my nose. But in expecting something big from God, something great from God, I did not understand that the greatest things tend to start in the smallest ways. And if you bless them, if you see them, if you look upon them and thank God for them, They grow up before your eyes. My eyes have seen your salvation. When you gaze upon Jesus, is that in your heart? Like Simeon, do you hold him up and say, thank God my eyes have seen the Savior of the world. Every time you think about Jesus, does your heart say that? My eyes have seen your salvation, oh God. That you have prepared in the presence of all people. He's a light for revelation to the Gentiles. We would never know God, but he's the one that reveals to us who God really is. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. They, how did they, they were glorified, the fact that they were entrusted with the Messiah, that he would be one of them, that he would be born amongst them. God let them share in his glory. And the fact that we get Jesus and we get to carry him and tell other people about him, God has brought us in to his glory. There is so much more about this passage. That we won't have time for Where's the Lord coming in your life? What are you waiting for? Waiting is a holy thing. There's, I haven't found that through my Christian life I wait like Simeon, but I'm trying now. Not to wait angrily, not in frustration to wait expectantly as long as it takes. But when I do that, I'm not projecting my joy into the future like I won't have any of God or happiness till that happens. God is meeting with me every day in my present and sustaining me while I wait for those things. He is in my present while I wait for what he wants to do in the future. 
How's your waiting look? How's your daily communion look? And when you ask the Lord Monday morning, Lord, I need you today. While I wait for your future, I need you today. When you pray that prayer, he will begin to show up in your day if you have eyes to see him in the small. Would you bow your heads in a word of prayer?